Americas, live and underway here on ESPN Plus on Monday, October 9th, alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebi Salazar. Herc, how are you doing out there? I'm doing the great. Coast. How are you doing, corporate Seb? I am very corporate today. I just did an appearance with our good friends at ESPN FC. You know, they're a little bit older, a little bit more stuffy, so they got a different dress code on that show. That's uh, so true. I had to, had to dress up for the boys. I, I forgot my Tifosi shirt in the car, but uh, I see you're well-dressed. Look at this one. Did you see the bottom of it? Mexico 86, huh? Oh That's a tournament you remember on, on account of the fact that you're much older than I am. Well, no, I just back when it was a good time for you. <laughs> yes, right? yes. Uh, Mexico making quarterfinals That's right. of, the, uh, of the 1986 World Cup. What a time. Lots to get to on this edition of Football Americas. We've got an interview still. coming up with Cristian Espinosa of the San Jose Earthquakes. We've got a discussion on the Mexican national team roster, which was dropped late last week for the upcoming friendlies. We've also got her an update on the U.S. roster with a, an injury absence player needing to be replaced. We'll tell you who in just a little bit. Plus, her a huge weekend in the National Women's Soccer League. Just one week of games left to go ahead of their playoff. So let's start, though, in Major League Soccer with Inter Miami and Lionel Messi trying to charge at a last gasp playoff spot. Hosting Cincinnati playoff hoax on the line. Messi on the bench against the Supporter Shield winners. Ninth minute corner kick for Inter Miami. They slam it off the crossbar. Herc, one of three crossbars in the first half for off Miami. Off the crossbar right there. Did you see Peso Pluma next to Messi? Did you notice that? I know you noticed I that. I did see that. The uh, celebrity always uh, in attendance in Fort Lauderdale. 12-minute chance for FC Cincinnati. Drake Callender the save. Yeah, it's a good save, but what a ball from Brandon Vasquez. And that breaking case of emergency, it's time. Early in the second half, 55th minute when Lionel Messi comes on. 59th minute sends this free kick well over the bar. Yeah, a bit rusty. I wonder why that is. 78th minute, and here's where Cincinnati gets their breakthrough through Alvaro Borreal. Listen, uh, it's not an easy save. Calendar could have done a bit better, but somebody help him out, bail him out. Somebody track the runner. Puskas nominated Barreal, by the way. 87th minute, Inter-Miami still fighting Messi with the shot wide. Yeah, Messi having trouble getting his feet there. Another free kick, it's Messi time again. It's uh. stoppage time, it had to be the moment. No, not this time. Last chance not to be as Cincinnati wins 1-0. Miami's first defeat with Lionel Messi That's right. on the field. All right, Herc. So Inter-Miami at Lionel Messi, Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, and they still don't make the playoffs. Is it a failure? Or as like we like to say on this show, is it a fracaso? It's not a fracaso. I can't call this failure, fracaso. Listen, we have to, when we talk about Inter-Miami, Messi's time there this season, you have to separate it and two things. Uh, it's before Messi and after Messi. And the Inter-Miami that was before Messi was abysmal. Really put him behind the eight ball. In fact, for Tata Martino, how bad they were, they were expecting maybe to go early round exit in League's Cup and have some time mm -hmm. to actually work with Messi and to work with this team. But because of Messi, now the after Messi, You've got a title, you have a trophy, something that the club has never had before. League's Cup didn't expect to go that far because they also didn't realize that they would have the world's best player, the history's best player of the game. And what they did, he had like 10 goals in League's Cup play. He was the MVP, easily landslide MVP there. Goes on and then single-handedly helps this team get to the US Open Cup final. Remember that game? It's Messi and those two assists. It's the Messi heroics. And I would argue, taking nothing away from Houston, that if he's healthy for that game, this is Inter-Miami and Messi potentially limit up a second trophy. Now, it's not a fracaso mm -hmm. for Inter-Miami. It's not a fracaso for Messi. He over-delivered on what we quite possibly thought he could do by giving this team a trophy, bringing this team to two finals in limited play. Here's the fracaso. Not for Inter, not for Messi, but for Major League Soccer. Mm. It is a fracaso, okay, that Messi is here today, injured, and coming off of that injury, over a month-long injury, because FIFA's calendar and Major League Soccer's calendar 
aren't aligned and he's overused and mm. then gets injured. It's a fracaso that at any given FIFA fixture date or window, Inter-Miami can have up to 12, if not more, players missing for international duty. That is the fracaso right there. Not on Inter's part, certainly not on Messi's part. Yeah, I said this on ESPN FC. It's not a fracaso. That's way too strong of a word. It is a missed opportunity, right? We're going to sense just how much attention goes away when Lionel Messi is not involved. The playoffs should be the time of the year when everybody's paying attention. That's obviously not going to be the case here, right? Everybody's going to be asking where he was. You saw the report from Paul Tenorio last week for the teams that get Lionel Messi to, to come to their stadium, even if he doesn't show up. You make a lot of money. What was the number for Chicago Fire? Like $10 million in revenue uh, that they made from the 62000 that they put in Soldier Field. So it's a big missed opportunity, Herc. But in the context of the League's Cup trophy, in the context of the Open Cup final, and in the reality that this Inter-Miami team, which was absolutely brutal when he showed up, earned a ticket to the CONCACAF Champions Cup and therefore, Herc, has an opportunity to represent MLS potentially down the road in an expanded FIFA Club World Cup. That's the victory of this season. If you would have told anybody connected with Inter-Miami that Messi would show up, and independent of his performance, of what he would do, that they would walk out of the back half of this nightmare of a season with a ticket to the CONCACAF Champions Cup, they absolutely would have taken it. And, Herc, I don't know if this is even a bad thing for Lionel Messi. He needs a break, right? This is a guy who came straight from vacation, straight into the League's Cup. We've seen all of the travel all of the games, the toll that it's taken on him. And I know that we're probably due for a offseason here of, is Messi going to go on loan? Is Messi going to try to find some action somewhere else? Jorge Mas has already told us he does not want Messi going on loan to Barcelona. I don't think that's going to happen. And I think that's the best policy for Inter-Miami here. They have to get Lionel Messi a break because 2024 is also going to be a really long year for this guy if we factor in the Copa America. My only worry is he's 36 years old, turning 37 years old, and is going to come off an extended period of time off. Uh, that is different for any player. There's mm -hmm. a reason he's the GOAT. There's a reason he's been so consistent throughout his career. But we're talking about three, four months off, Seb. That worries me a little. Hopefully, it's a benefit to him. He heals up, and we can see the mm -hmm. best Messi in Major League Soccer next season. But that is a worry, and Jorge Mas can say whatever he wants. He can... Mm -hmm. Preach church right now, but if mm -hmm. Messi wants to go, Messi's gonna go. It's that mm -hmm. simple. Messi at this point right now is part of that ownership. There we go. All right. So uh, Lionel Messi and Inter Miami will not be participating in the 2023 MLS Cup playoffs. Elsewhere in Major League Soccer, Minnesota United beating the LA Galaxy five to two over the weekend. Timu Puki uh, with four goals from Minnesota in the wake of Adrian Heath's firing. Herc, I'm sure you have an opinion. Um, on that. With this result, LA Galaxy eliminated from playoff contention after a brutal season. Uh, of course, Chicharito was injured. They had the lingering sanctions from the cheating scandal. Chris Klein was fired. And the Galaxy at the end missing out on the MLS postseason for the third time in four years. Herc, it's your former club, a club I know you have a lot of love for. Do you think the LA Galaxy should still be considered among Major League Soccer's elite? No. And they're not amongst Major League Soccer's elite for quite some time. Actually, last time they were in a final was probably a decade ago, if you think about this. Um, where do we go? How do we start? Do we want to start just on this season? Because that would be disingenuous to why they're not elite. But we could talk about this season if you want. One win in the first 10 games. I believe two out of 14. The first 14 games. We can talk about the sanctions, the fines, the suspension, the transfer ban that was for the LA Galaxy because they cheated. You were caught cheating. And you got Chris Klein, by the way, Chris Klein, if he still was here, he would have to resign because he said if they didn't make the postseason, he would resign. That happened anyway. Chris Klein, he made the supporters unite and boycott their own team. If you went to the Galaxy games or watched the Galaxy games without the supporters, it was the eeriest feeling of all. They're not elite. They're not elite in their play. They're not elite in their product. Uh, they're not elite in their stadium. It feels dated. It feels very outdated in terms of today's stadiums in Major League Soccer. You look at the product on the field. Uh, you can go with the injuries, and we can talk about the injuries. There is some bad luck to having a transfer ban, okay? A, a fan boycott and not being able to do anything. And then Chicharito, knee injury. Uh, Gaston Brugman, knee injury. Uh, Calagari, knee injury. Martin Cáceres, knee injury. Uh, Jalen Neal's 
sports hernia. One of your up-and-coming promising players, sports hernia. Mark Delgado between ankle and head. He's been out as well. A, a, a consistent starter and contributor for your team. Ricky Pooch, you know, into the season ankle. And we can talk about Jonathan Bond when he got injured. Mm. And then when he came back, being a liability when he's back. It's one after the other with this team. And that's been consistent over the last decade. If you talk about what this team is, four times you missed the postseason out of the last six seasons. A big team, an elite team, does not do that. A big team, an elite team, doesn't sit by the wayside while your neighbor fights for titles, is in finals, domestic, is in CONCACAF finals, twice, twice, regardless if they lose them. And in, in the process of having star players, having a new stadium, having everything where they're starting to overtake your own city, they happen to win a championship on your watch. It's been quite some time. The only thing elite about the Galaxy are their fans. Yeah, I mean, their last MLS Cup was 2014. That's only nine years ago, but in MLS history, that's basically a third of the league's history. So it doesn't sound like a long time, but it is for the LA Galaxy. They've got a wooden spoon uh, more recently than they have an MLS Cup. I'm with you, though. I think the most damaging, you know, thing to happen to the LA Galaxy is LAFC because it really creates this picture of just how far the LA Galaxy have fallen. You see the success. You see it right across town. And you've got to look at LA Galaxy right now as a team that's basically MLS 1.0. I think they can get it back, Herc, because the LA Galaxy are at the end of the day. I know they're in Carson, but they're in Los Angeles, which when it comes to MLS and drawing big-name players, that's a huge advantage that you have over pretty much uh, everybody else. Whether they'll be successful or not with those big-name players, especially once the cheating sanctions are lifted, comes down to the people in charge, Herc. And I know that we've seen a lot of coaching overhaul in Major League Soccer, especially in the last kind of days and weeks. It leads me to Greg Vanny. He's now been at the LA Galaxy for over 100 games. You mentioned a lot of the players there. How hot is his seat heading into next season? How much pressure do you think he's under? Next season, I think he's under the most pressure of any coach because you can argue that the first year, not your team. Second year, you're trying to get your style going. Third year, you have sanctions and all these injuries. I call this year a wash for Greg Vanny. I could honestly say that he said hmm. some bad things, sure. But if you look at how handcuffed he was, if you can't see how handcuffed this team was when the, with what they could actually do on the field because of so many injuries, because of the fines, the suspensions, the transfer ban, uh, if you can't see that, I don't know what to tell you. Next season, absolutely, first in the hot seat. I mean, four years is enough time regardless of what happens for you to leave your mark. So if he's still there for next season, he will be the number one driver in that hot seat for sure. I said the Galaxy were an MLS 1.0 team. Actually, the next team we're going to talk about is an MLS 1.0 team. Maybe the Galaxy will give 2.0. Yeah, DC United is still very much stuck in 1.0. Back into the Eastern Conference we go, where DC did get a 2-0 win over the weekend against New York City FC. However, they were still eliminated from playoff contention in Wayne Rooney's first full season as manager after the game. Rooney confirming he will be leaving the black and red. He's been heavily linked with Birmingham City. Uh, in the championship, of course, Tom Brady's team here in the nation's capital, Herc, they are calling it a mutual breakup. Are you cool with it? DC United and Wayne Rooney parting ways here in 2023. Yeah, let me tell you why I'm cool with it, because I'm looking at it from Wayne Rooney's mm -hmm. point of view. If you ask for something publicly, and they just ghost you like that because that's what yes. Jason Levy and, and DC United did. They mm -hmm. ghosted Wayne Rooney. They basically said, I don't want to break up with you. Please break up with me kind of thing. <laughs> okay? If they do that to you, go. Do your thing. Go somewhere else. You owe DC United nothing. You brought DC United back from relevance as a player, as a player where many doubted you, and you tried to do it as a manager, and they wouldn't. Budge. They wouldn't help you out. Jason Levian, the ownership, the owner of DC United, he let go of a GM who brought in Hernan Lozada. And then they have a GM who brings in Wayne Rooney. That GM has let go as well. So now he wants more say and more power on what he does and how he builds DC United. More power to him. I have more faith in Mark Ingram, who's an owner in DC United, than I do Jason Levian. <laughs> That's a reality. That's a reality. Because Jason Levian stood by. DC United stood by when Ben Olsen was mediocre with DC United. A lot of that could be DC United. 
And a lot of that could be that he's just a club legend and placekeeper, if you will. But you see what Ben Olsen's doing now at Houston. You see what some of these managers could actually do with a little bit of resource, with a little bit of continu continuity there, excuse me, continuing there, if you will. Continuity. Continuity, thank you. Thank you, producer. Continuity. But that's not been the case. So I'm cool with Wayne Rooney. I mean, I guess I'm cool with the owner doing what he wants to do because it's, it's your team. If you want to have a terrible team, if you want to have a team that's never going to do anything that's irrelevant, you're the one spending millions of dollars to do it. So go ahead. Perk, I'm not convinced that Wayne Rooney is a, is a good coach, right? He's got 10 wins in 34 this year. Didn't really do much last year, even though it was a, a terrible situation when right. he takes over. Uh, and I think if you look at his time at Darby County, there's a pretty big asterisk there, right? When they're docking you points, you, you got to take that into into account. But I think the real story here is, is organizational dysfunction. This is not a Wayne Rooney thing. Wayne Rooney did have some resources, though, that Ben Olsen never had. Ben Olsen never had the fifth highest budget uh, in terms of spending for players in Major League Soccer. Wayne Rooney did have that this year. And on top of that, he had a lot of control. You mentioned the general manager situation. They fired Lucy Rushton in October of 2022, almost a year ago. And in that power vacuum, Wayne Rooney was really making a lot of decisions. He brought in a guy like Ravel Morrison. That was, I mean, that was a disaster. Just backfired totally for DC United. Um, and as you well know, her, when you spend money on a guy and then that guy for either injury or in this case, other reasons disappears, it's hard to make that up in an MLS roster. It's hard to make that up in the salary cap. Uh, I, I'm really, I'm really sad that this is the ending. And, and I got to say this, if you're going to give a guy like Wayne Rooney, the power, the control, and the spending power, right, that they gave this guy. You almost have to let him stick around for another year. And this is the argument that I made when they first ghosted him. When two months ago, Wayne Rooney came out and said, hey, I I've called, I've asked, I've said I want to stay. And there was a, a contract option for both sides. Um, so it is. I think this is more on DC United than Wayne Rooney. And I think it's an indictment. When you, when you ghost a manager... Right. We know you're not doing things well. We know you're not taking care of business. Uh, and I'm very interested to see not just kind of who takes this job next, but who wants this job next, Herc. Because as the LA Galaxy, I got some faith. You, you might be able to recruit some stars. You might be able to make the team interesting. As a DC United fan, man, things are going from bad to worse. And I don't really have a lot of faith that this club is ever going to turn around, Wayne Rooney or not. You mentioned their fifth in spending. So if you're going to spend money, Wayne Rooney went when you had one of the worst teams in terms of spending and in terms of results on the field. And he was a megastar in the game of football. So hmm. it can happen, Seb, but you're right. It's organization. So it's, I don't know who's going to want it, but somebody will. MLS, it's a league built on parity. Uh, we've seen other teams turn it around quickly. Not the case with my beloved DC United. Let's check out the Eastern Conference table as uh, DC United... Even though they are above the playoff line, they have been eliminated. Uh, that's because the teams behind them are going to play on the last day of the regular season, so somebody will get points and eventually jump over them. The top seven teams in the, each, in the East have all clinched their spots. That means there's one ticket left between Montreal, who has it now, the New York Red Bull, Chicago Fire, Charlotte, and New York City FC. Meanwhile, in the Western Conference, the top six have all clinched. Portland, San Jose, and Dallas are the teams looking to hold on to their spots with Sporting Kansas City and Minnesota United in hot pursuit. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, Board. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
Joining us now on Football Americas from the aforementioned San Jose Earthquakes, it's Cristian Espinosa. He's having a great season. Cristian, great to have you here on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to, to be here with you. Nice. All right. So you're coming off this 1-1 uh, draw against Dallas over the weekend. Right now you find yourselves eighth in the Western Conference. Have not clinched a playoff spot yet. You got one game left. It'll be on October 21st against Austin FC. So far, Christian, how are you feeling about the season? Uh, to be honest, I, I feel really good. I am very happy for, for the performance of, of the team, of my, my teammates in general. We are uh, having a really good level. Uh, I think that this year we're missing a little bit more consistency in terms of the, the results, but obviously we are happy with uh, this opportunity to achieve the playoff in the next game. All right, uh, Cristian, I'm going to ask this question in two. Concentrate on the personal and then the team, because I want to know what changed. Luchi Gonzalez comes in, and this is a team that in the last 10 years has only qualified for the postseason twice. That's two playoffs in 10 years. But out of you, he's gotten 12 goals and eight assists. You're absolutely crushing it in league play. And San Jose's in prime position for a playoff spot. What has Luchi Gonzalez done to this team? Um, I think that Luchi comes in a, in a really difficult moment for, for, for us as a players, for the club. Uh, when Matias uh, left, we have a... Um, uh, a very difficult season uh, last year was really difficult for us um, but I think that when Lucci comes he brings new ideas uh, a very new project and I think that everybody in the team was really really happy and really excited to, to have him uh, in the team. All right I don't want to sell our guy short here her just so we just so we get it right it's 12 goals and 13 assists 13 so far assists? this season for Cristian Espinosa. Those are MVP Dime numbers. Algo, Christian. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> you, you just docked him five assists there for nothing, okay? We got to be careful. Uh, Cristian, I'm super interested just about kind of your season, what's brought the best out of you. Uh, particularly, uh, I, I've liked what I've seen in the relationship you have, not just with Jeremy Abobasi, an American striker that's uh, got 10 goals, so he's already in double digits so far this season, but you're also playing with another player who's worn the U.S. shirt before, and that's uh, Matthew Hoppy. Why do you think you're playing at your level, and, and what do the guys around you have to maybe do with that? Um, I, I think, uh, as I said before, Lucci, Lucci brings really good ideas for the team. Uh, he put so much uh, trust in, my, in myself and, and also in the team. And obviously, we try to respond respond him in inside the field. And I think that for most part of the year so far, we we were responding in a good way. Um, and yes, we are really happy with our relationship inside and outside the field. I believe, Christian, this is uh, season number five for you. You've been inside the Seattle, or excuse me, San Jose. I shouldn't say Seattle. San Jose organization for quite some time. You know that fan base and how long it's been suffering. If you don't make playoffs this season, what does that mean for you personally and for the San Jose organization? Um, I, to be honest, I try to don't think in, in, in the chance to don't, don't qualify to playoff. I... Me and, and the team, we have a really, um, really good mindset for the for the last game. Uh, I think that we are in a really good position, uh, and we had to defend that. Uh, I think that we aim to be in this position, and and now it's time to to uh, to achieve the playoff and and enjoy this moment because it's we know. Um, how difficult it was for the club to, to be in this position. So uh, for us, it's really important. Kind of awkward, right? With the timing, you got to wait yeah. through the international break to play this kind of all or nothing game uh, against Austin yes. FC. Well, Christian, I want to ask you, you know, you joined San Jose in 2019. I believe you got your green card maybe last year. So 2024 is year five for you in the U.S. We start to see this uh, a lot in soccer around the world. When somebody has been in a country long enough, Oftentimes, they can become a citizen. And once you're a citizen, you can play for the national team. So I know you represented Argentina at the, I believe, under-20 level. Have you given any thought at all to maybe in a couple years being eligible 
to represent the U.S. men's national team, and if you might like to look into that opportunity. Uh, yes, I think it's, it's, it was something nice. Uh, my both kids was they were born here in USA, um, and uh, yes, I think uh, it will be a really good opportunity if this come, and if not, uh, it's okay. Has, has anybody from U.S. Soccer contacted you? I'm just curious, Christian. No, 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 okay. no one. Okay, uh, you know, as a Argentine-born player, just Messi coming to Major League Soccer. I mean, there's a special feeling and emotion that comes to now playing alongside Messi. Give me your thoughts of what it's been like to see him from afar, to what it's been like to see his impact, and maybe how that's trickled down to you guys, you know, the players. Yeah, I think uh, Messi brings a lot of uh, motivation for, for the young players and for everybody in this in this league. Not just for the for the team or for the organizations, also for the players. Have the the best player ever in the football history is very special for us and for me. Obviously, uh, as Argentinian fan, um, having Messi here is an extra motivation to uh, to to be here, to be part of the of, of this league. And, and yes, I will re really happy to. To, to have him here in MLS. I love it, her Cristian leaving no doubt there who he thinks is the uh, greatest of all time. Cristian, great to have you here on Football Americas and good luck on the 21st against Austin FC. Suerte. Thank you very much and it was a pleasure. All right, Herc, time to run it back with some Americans abroad. We'll start with Joe Scally on the score sheet for Mönchengladbach in a 2-2 draw against Mainz over the weekend. Okay, Joe Scally. Okay, Joe Scally. Eat it up. Uh, a lot of reports linking Joe Scally to AC Milan to replace Calabria. I don't know if I mind it one bit. Look at this guy. Goal scoring ability now. Subbed on in the 79th minute, scored in the 88th, his first goal of the season, and I believe his first goal in front of the home fans at Gladbach. So a special moment there for Joe Scally in the 2-2 tie. Malik Tillman scored the opener for PSV in a 4-0 win over Sparta Rotterdam, but he was subbed off injured hurt in the 72nd minute. As a result, he's going to miss the upcoming international break for the U.S. He'll be replaced by Alejandro Sendejas. That's uh, unfortunate for Malik Tillman, who's absolutely on fire. Four goals, three goals, and an assist. Who could have predicted this goal-scoring ability from Malik? Hmm. Tillman with uh, goals in back-to-back -back league games for PSV. So definitely, as you pointed out, unfortunate timing on the injury. Premier League, Anthony Robinson scored an own goal as Fulham won 3-1 over Sheffield United in a match that doubled as Tim Ream's 300th appearance, Herc, with the London club. Yeah, he's been a mainstay. Eight years at the club, uh, five of those uh, in the championships. He was instrumental in promoting the team back up every single time. He's going to be one of those legends that goes down for, for Fulham. A couple Americans in defense for Fulham in this game. Raul Jimenez on the bench did not play as Fulham picked up three points. Right now, they are 12th in the Premier League after a 3-1 win over Sheffield United. From England, we go back to the Bundesliga. Gio Reyna finally making his first appearance of the season for Borussia Dortmund. It came in a 4-2 win over Brendan Aronson's Union Berlin. Gio Reyna subbed on in the 64th minute. Her. Take him any way you can get him. Always good to get some minutes under your belt before coming into camp. 26 minutes, his first minutes of the season. That is crazy to me, but he needed those. He was actually involved in Dortmund's last goal. The minutes come just two days after it was announced that Reyna would be joining the U.S. team for the upcoming friendlies. Luca De La Torre picked up an assist as Celta de Vigo drew 2-2 against Getafe on Sunday. Yeah, Luca, who... Some would thought would have struggled for playing time under Rafa Benitez, not been the case. He started pretty much every game, but two of them, instrumental parts. Listen, they're in a bit of a relegation battle. 18th right now in La Liga, but he's an important fixture for that team. One win in nine games so far for Celta de Vigo. Luca de la Torre with an assist. He also had an assist a couple weeks ago against Barcelona. In France, Laren Balogun, another goal for Monaco, this time against his former club in a 3-1 win over the weekend. A goal he apologized for her. Yeah, he didn't celebrate it. It's his old team. I got no issue with that. The goal was deflected. I wondered what the goalkeeper was doing. I'll give him, I'll cut him a break. Uh, slight deflection right there. Turns it on him. 
But Flo misses a penalty kick, two actually, and in back-to-back -back goals, uh, he's now got three goals and one assist in five. Monaco first in Ligue 1, first in Italy, AC Milan. They picked up a 1-0 win over Johan Vasquez Genoa over the weekend. The win came with both Christian Pulisic and Yunus Moussa in the starting lineup. And the two Americans, as you see there, hooked up on the game's only goal. Yeah, very well taken. A lot of talks about a handball. No decisive image uh, to rule it. A clear and obvious error on VAR, so it stands. It's a golazo and puts him in the goal-scoring lead at Milan. Can you believe that? There you have it, Milan, one nothing winners. They are two points ahead of their city rivals into that goal coming in the 87th minute. Her Christian Pulisic is playing well. Is it the best we've seen from him at club level in Europe? You know, I tweeted that. I tweeted this is he's in some of the best form of, of his career. And then I started thinking about, it. is it really the best form of his career? Well, there was a year, 2019-20, that season at Chelsea, where this man in all comps hit double-digit goals, 11, and double-digit assist, 10. Mm -hmm. For Chelsea, he was absolutely on fire in all comps. Every competition, he would score. Every competition, he would do something. And then there's also that second run, if you will, um, which was the Champions League run, uh, where he was instrumental from the knockout rounds on. He was big time in the knockout rounds uh, against, uh, who did they play in the knockout rounds? It Real was Madrid in the semifinals, no, the goal. Atletico yeah. Madrid in the round of 16, and then it was... Porto, which he manhandled uh, after that in the quarters. And then the semifinal, goal and assist in both games for Christian Pulisic versus Real Madrid. And then he went on versus City and helped close out that. He was one of the best runs that he has had, and it won them a Champions League. So he's been instrumental uh, and decisive at different times throughout his career. But I can't think of a time where he's been more important to a as a fundamental piece of the team to a historic team, we're talking about a powerhouse historically in Europe. He's one of the leading goal scorers for Milan. He's a goal away from cracking the top three in goal scorers in Serie A. Uh, he's only got one assist, but if you look at beyond the numbers, his play has provoked so much danger for Milan. He's an instrumental part. I can't think of another moment in his career where he's been as heavily relied on and valued for his efforts, I think this is the best play of his career right now. It's hard to argue, right, against the time in the Champions League. When you're starting in the Champions League against the biggest clubs in the world, you're producing in the semifinals, you're, as you said, closing out the Champions League final, the coach has the faith in you. It's hard to argue against that as the best moment of his career. The word I would use here, Herc, is confident. I think this is the most confident that we've ever seen Christian Pulisic at club level. He's got four goals and an assist. I can't remember another season that he started quite like this. And you talked about the season where he hit 11 goals across all comps. He had had, I think, nine in league play. He's got four already. We're not even halfway through October. I mean, he's going to shatter those numbers here in Syria. I know it's a different level, Premier League to Syria, but it's not that much of a difference. This is by far the most productive he's been. And I think the most important part, and we talked about it, and he even said it after one of his last games, he's having fun. He is beloved there. You hear yeah. it in the, in the announcer's voices whenever he scores. You see it from his coaches. You see it from his teammates. You see it in, in his body language. Um, this is a very happy player, and this is a very productive player right now. When he landed at AC Milan, the pieces looked like they were in place for this to be great. But even with all that, I don't think we could have predicted this good of a start for Christian Pulisic. He's really been wonderful. No, a few weeks ago we were talking about would he have lost his place? Was he demoted? Was he outed onto the bench for Chiquese or for somebody else mm -hmm. in a Champions League game versus Newcastle? I think all that is behind. And as long as he stays healthy, and I think that's a key yep. word here is health. With Christian mm -hmm. Pulisic, it is health. If he is healthy, I've got no doubt he's going to shatter those nine goals. Yeah, it kind of feels like the tip of the iceberg. Again, he's just joined this team. He's 25 years old. He's been a pro for almost a decade now. So you feel like he's really well positioned to not just, you know, four goals and an assist is nice early on in the season, but to be productive and then be consistent, which is something that maybe to this point we haven't seen from Christian Pulisic yet at club level. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, we're talking about the U.S. men's national team. Let's transition to Mexico because the U.S. dropped their roster just before our Thursday show last week. Mexico did so maybe like 45 minutes uh, before we went live. So we decided to save it and talk about it now. Here are the details as Jimmy Lozano releases his second roster since taking over as the uh, full-time manager. It's a 26-player list Ojo, huh? for the games against uh, Ghana on October 14th in North Carolina and then Germany October 17th in Philly. A couple new faces, uh, Ramon Juarez of Club America, Julio Gonzalez of Pumas. Still no Julian Quinones, uh, worth noting, they're continuing to work on his paperwork. Chucky Lozano is back, that's very good news. Uh, also worth noting, four goalies on this uh, 26-man roster for Jimmy Lozano. All right, Herc, two big games coming up for Mexico as we look at this team. Any big takeaways? Uh, well, obviously the four goalies, that mm. is uh, interesting because last game against, um, it was Uzbekistan they played against. Uzbekistan and Oman, correct. Yes, yeah. and the game they tied 3-3 and Guillermo Choa was apart for a few of those goals. He easily could have saved him. Not his best moment. They asked him. You think the fact that we're seeing four goalies is a response to Memo's not just shaky moment, I'll agree with you during that window, but some of the shaky moments we've seen since at club level. We know Salernitana is not having a good run right now. Yeah, he's he's the most goals, he's the most scored on goalkeeper right now in Serie A. A lot of that is not his fault, uh, but certainly four goalkeepers on here is interesting. You don't mm-hmm. ever bring four goalkeepers, and if you do, it's because you plan to use at least two to three in those windows, in those two games that you have in that window so I would expect that to be the case he mentioned so much so after the game against Uzbekistan that maybe it is time to give others a run because Memo had monopolized the goal if you will so that is something that's a big takeaway right there Julio Gonzalez of Pumas who's thoroughly deserved his call up uh, maybe in line for a game we will see but that is something that I noticed immediately the other is if you think about it, there are new faces. For the first time in a long time, they are just new faces, Seb. And how many times have we been able to say this? We look at the Mexican national team roster, and it's always the same faces. It's always who you think is going to get called up. But now we have faces, new faces. You're like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, okay. I can see why he got called up. He's in a deserving moment. He is in a level right now where his play merits a call-up. And that is something noticeable with this national team. Anybody in particular you're excited to see from that list of 26 you think might be able to make a difference, not just in these games, but maybe moving forward, thinking Copa America 2024 and then beyond that, the World Cup yeah, in three years? Yeah, it's Ramon Juarez. Now, I mentioned Ramon Juarez to you a couple times when we spoke about Club America, and you had this, like, you know, doe-eyed look. You had no idea who I was talking about. You let, you glanced over and you didn't mention anything. Once, I let it go. The second time, Seb's not reacting. I'm talking about a center back mm-hmm. from Club America. That's a, a great story. One. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he is here. Let me tell everybody who Ramon Juarez is, okay? Ramon Juarez was a player who debuted when he was 19 years old with Club America, okay? Debuted and then back down in the pecking order because Club America in that position, they try to go for bigger, better. They try to go for foreign players. A lot of times yes. foreign, yeah. So he, so he went back down to the U20 team, and that's where he was. That's where he spent the majority of his career for the next three years. Well, let's fast. Let's, let's go back a little to the last year, the whole year, okay? He got loaned out to San Luis. Two seasons at San Luis where not only did he play, but he played a lot. And he was an instrumental part of guess whose defense? Jardine's defense. And guess who Jardine is? He's Club America's coach. Guess where he is right now? Okay? The coach of Club America. Obviously, okay? He plays. And with him in Igor Lishinovsky, 
America have found their way. They've not lost with this kid in the lineup. In fact, in the eight games that he has played, they've only received five goals. He's 22 years old. He's calm, has a presence about him, physically gifted, and the maturity. A lot of times we see guys who get that opportunity. Uh, Lara, who got an opportunity there, who's not ready for it. It eats them up. This kid looks hungry, he looks ready, and he is humble. He is willing to take orders, he's willing to learn, and it's showing in his play. So I'm really excited mm. to see this player, because when I look at Johan Vasquez and Cesar Montes, Cesar Montes, who with Almeria is not really playing, and, and Johan Vasquez, well, Genoa, it's a team that is playing left back, frankly. And yeah. playing left back. Not really then, a center back. And then the third center back in this list is Victor Guzman, who Jimmy Lozano has brought up, but not necessarily given him much of an opportunity. Ramon Juarez can break in. I'm not saying he's going to break in next to Cesar Montes or Johan Vasquez, but there's an opportunity here, and it's a new face. Yeah, love to see it. Love to see some potential depth at uh, center back. One end that's not on the roster that immediately jumps out is Alexis Vega. We're going to talk about Chivas, what happened this weekend, and maybe the club uh, as a whole in just a little bit. But this is a player who at one time was thought to be a pretty important part of the Mexican national team. Do you think his absence is just down to the scandal, or is this a representation of his current form? And what, in my opinion, is maybe the end of his time with El Tri. I've never been a huge Alexis Vega guy, but... In light of what's happened in the last couple months, I think it is truly time for the national team to move on. Do you agree that that's what we're seeing in his omission here? No, I, I don't. Now, per Mauricio Imai, our, our colleague at ESPN Deportes, this was already planned. They were planning not to bring up Alexis Vega because of his play, because of the moment that Alexis Vega was living, and then the scandal broke out at the hotel room uh, and whatnot. So that was just circumstantial that he's not here. Mm. But... Remember, Alexis Vega was with them at Gold Cup, and Alexis Vega, per Mauricio Imai and his reporting, couldn't go 20, 30 minutes at training without knee pain, without the swelling. So they're, they're aware of where he's at physically. They're aware of his limitations this season at Liga Amequis. As far as if it's the end of Alexis Vega with the Mexican national team, I don't think so. Um, hmm. There are certain things we see throughout the history of, of teams, whether it, with relationships with coaches and players, these relationships are important and they play a factor going forward. On this team, Luis Romo Seb, gets a chance because of his relationship and because of the history that he has with Jaime Lozano. Don't forget Alexis Vega was an important player in that U23 mm. tournament, the, the Olympic Games. Didn't, we just, didn't you medal. just applaud the fact that we're, we're not bringing in guys who don't deserve to be there? Yes. I mean, now you're saying a relationship is what's going to get Alexis Vega back in the door. This dude needs to produce before Time he walks out. back Time in out. the you door. You asked me if it was the end. I'm telling you, it's not the end. There's a relationship mm. here, and I can see an opportunity being given to him by Jaime Lozano. To merit that opportunity, you have to show it at your club level. I, I think it's the end with Chivas. It should be the end with Chivas, but I mentioned it last show. I can easily see a situation, and I do not know why, but Cruz Azul keeps going into my mind hmm. when I think hmm. about Alexis Vega and the potential landing spots. I could see him at Cruz Azul with his compadre Uriel Antuna, and I could see him doing well. I really can. But it starts with Alexis. This will be a uh, much more complete roster, Herc, I think, than the one we saw in September, which is good because it'll be much better competition. You got not just Chucky Lozano back. You got Luis Chavez, Cesar Montes. You got a Gerardo Artiaga back. So you got a little bit of help um, on defense. If I could point out one guy that I'm really excited to see, it's a guy who I mentioned is kind of the snub last time around, and that's Marcel Ruiz, the uh, midfielder, kind of attacking player for Toluca. And one of the reasons, Herc, that I really like this is, to your point, it screams that Jimmy Lozano wants competition and is paying attention to what happened. I'm trying to think of, of maybe whose spot he might have taken here. If we think of what Marcel Ruiz, what he kind of plays. He's taking a midfielder spot. Who right. is somebody who we have cried time and time again is getting opportunities and not making Charlie. the most of it? Charlie Rodriguez. And here we see Charlie is not in this call-up. And I think that's a direct response to what we saw from Charlie Rodriguez, not just the last time with the Mexican national team, but generally his form at club recently and really maybe for the last couple years. Finally, somebody is responding. And that's what I wanted to see from these call-ups, Herc. I want to see Jimmy Lozano bringing in one new players, but challenging the old. And that's what I think we're seeing from Marcel Ruiz's call-up. I'm excited for what it means for Ruiz, but I'm really, Herc, more excited for what it means for the competition, especially in midfield, which was the part of this Mexican team that failed for me 
the most at the last World Cup. Yeah, and you have to remember Hector Herrera, I believe, pulled out with an injury. So mm -hmm. that's a, a door opening right there for Marcel Ruiz, who for many years, despite him being young, he's only 22, for many years has been touted as one of the better midfielders in Liga Mekis. All right, Herc, let's run it back with some of these stars of El Tri. Got some goals and some assists from the past weekend. We'll start in the Eredivis. Chucky Lozano with an assist for PSV in the game they won 4-0 over Sparta Rotterdam. PSV 8-0. Perfect to start the season, Herc. Yeah, PSV. Leaders and Chucky Lozano. Listen, uh, many are saying, oh, ah, come on, that's not an assist. Take it any way you can get it. And also, man of the match performance for Chucky Lozano. He was voted the, the man of the match in this game. All right, so Chucky Lozano with a assist light, but they all count the same in the big win for PSV. Meanwhile, Cesar Chino Huerta with a brace for Pumas as they won four to one over Cruz Azul. The first goal hurt came from the penalty spot, but the second goal, a thing of beauty. Yeah, first goal, retaken penalty kick. He bangs the second one. This one, watch this, weaker foot, just parting the Red Sea, if you will, and then banger! Near post, Cesar Huerta. <laughs> he is one goal away from the league lead of eight. Seven goals, one assist through 11 games played so far this season. Mark, I also has five yellow cards. Feisty Chino Huerta there for uh, Pumas, who got the big win over Cruz Azul in the Battle of Mexico City. Santiago Jimenez. Another brace. Final two nothing winners over Zwolle on Sunday. Hey, I'm not going to get tired of saying it. He needs to leave. He's ready for something bigger and better. The price tag will be something to be seen. Could be a holdup right there. But uh, Eredivisie, I mean, the defending, the goalkeeping. Look at this. Good volley. This is a good volley. I don't care. I don't care who defends him. This is a good volley. Twelve goals. Twelve nothing goals. Easy. Two assists through eight league games so far. He was linked to Inter Milan over the weekend. The 22-year-old is on fire. Here's Santi post-game. No, I think always every day I can improve a little bit more. I think uh, I can say I feel really good, but uh, yeah, always you can improve. The first goal is it the goal uh, at instinct? You're making the first goal. <laughs> a little bit lucky, uh, but yeah, you always need to to fight for the balls and, and then you need to to wait for it. <laughs> it was right leg, eh? Yeah. <laughs> very good with the right leg. No, no, very bad, but that go in. <laughs> sometimes when you're in top form, the ball falls at your feet like this. Yeah, sometimes it's a bit, you can call it lucky, you can call it you fight for it, uh, but the important thing is that it goes in. <laughs> The second goal is a typical striker goal when, when the confidence is very really high. Yeah, I think that's the chance you are waiting for all the game. So it's good that it go in. It's quite lethal. Now you're you're off to uh, South America again. Um, how do you approach that the, the traveling all the time and then come back to, to to Holland again? No, not South America. It's North America. But Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, our important games for me. It's beautiful to to put the shirt of my country and to defend it. So I would love to be there. It's North America, Herc. Mexico is in North America. Santiago Jimenez uh, correcting right. our friends there in Netherlands. There he is. What a uh, incredible start to the season it's been for Santiago Jimenez. All right, Herc, production wants to know, should the stars of Run It Back be the new front three for L3? We're talking Chucky, Chino, and Chaquito. What say you? I mean, I've been advocating for Santi to be the number nine, the starting number nine for quite some time. Nobody's moving Santi. I, I don't care if it was last season or now my response has been at 2026 he will be your man give him the run of games right now you could argue the same for cesar huerta here is the thing though cesar huerta has less than a full season under his belt where he's been doing this at the liga mx level santi is way past the can he do it again at the CONCACAF level. He's beyond that. Let him do whatever he needs to do, make his mistakes at the international level as the starting nine with Mexico, and go beyond that. 2026, he will be better for it. Cesar Huerta, not so much. I mean, he came, comes on against Australia, does 
well enough where he scores a banger with his left foot off a of volley, right? But then he gets to start versus Uzbekistan and he disappears. He was nowhere mm. to be found. So with young players getting their first taste of international football, this can be the case. I've not seen enough from Chino Huerta right now where I'm just like, that's him right there. Nobody's going to rival him. And Chucky Lozano on the other side. How many times have we said that Chucky club form and Chucky national team are two different things? The mm-hmm. last time we really, really saw El Chucky Lozano perform at optimum level may have been 2018 versus Germany where he scored in the World Cup. So I think those two flank positions are still very much wide mm. open. And Tecatito mm. Corona coming back to Monterrey or coming back yeah, to Monterrey where he once was, that could be an injection of life and confidence for mm. him. And if you can get a, a Tecatito Corona anywhere near his European club level of old on the national team, nobody's touching him. So... Santi Jimenez, yes. The other two right now, I'd say it depends who's available. It depends the moment. All right, so you're going one of these three are definite front three starters. I'll say two. I think Chaquito's definite number one in his position. I think Chucky Lozano, not that he has been productive with the Mexican national team, not that what you say is wrong, but I think he's still the guy. Chino Huerta, to me, I would love to see him get this opportunity, but it's not like it's his starting job. He's a young player, Herc. We know what a lot of these other guys can do. They've been given opportunities. I'm trying to think of the players that he's realistically competing with for a spot like this. Somebody maybe like an Uriel Antuna, maybe a Orbelin Pineda, right? Those guys have been given the minutes and have not dominated. Forget at the top, top level, but not even at the CONCACAF level have they dominated. Has Antuna been productive? Yes. Has Has Orbelin maybe had his moments? They've been okay. At moments with Mexico, Chucky has been an incredible player. Yes, I know we've got to go back. Maybe as far as 2018 when you were and I were in the no, stadium. No, we don't got to go back. Uh, you just got to look at the stats. But goals Chukino and assists San- over the last three, four years with Mexican national team. That's all you got to uh, go. If we go goals and assists in the national team, then Jesus Ferreira would be starting for the U.S., Herc. You know that's not how it no, goes. No, it's not uh, because in front of Jesus Ferreira, you got guys who are producing goals and assists as well. Ricardo Pepe, if you will, more goals and assists. So who's your starting front three for Mexico today? Today? For yeah. this, just the names we see in this camp? Yeah. I would go Chucky, I would go Chaco, and I would go Orbelin. I think Orbelin playing there is, okay. yeah, and I think he's earned it. Uh, you go Orbelin but, over Huerta. Yes, yes. But it, I still think, and you're going to hate me for this, but Uriel Antuna at the national team level, there's a lot of people who can't touch him, a lot of players who can't touch him. And I think Jaime Lozano knows that. I don't hate you for it, Herc. I I I think you you exaggerate the impact he has based on goals that he scored four or five years ago against literally semi-professional competition in CONCACAF. You just exaggerate that, Herc. Uh, Who's the last Mexican player to score against the U.S.? Uriel Antuna. Okay. Does Does that make him an automatic starter here? I didn't say that. I'm just saying the bar is so low. He's got the numbers. And listen, so why not give coach, the opportunity to somebody like Chino Huerta if the bar on. is so low? Think why not the give this guy the chance? Think about the coaches who have trusted him. Okay? And I'm not saying Cesar Huerta can't surpass him. I'm not saying Cesar mm-hmm. Huerta can't compete. I'm just saying right now, that's the bar. And somebody needs to pry it off of him. Pry his hands off of that bar. Pry his hands off of that position. Because... Whether it's Tata Martino, whether it's mm-hmm. Diego Coca, or whether it's Jaime Lozano, they give him that confidence, and he scored for all of them. We'll have a lot better idea on this after the international break, right? Because the last games, Uzbekistan, Oman, you're not really going to be able to judge. Germany and Ghana, Australia. You think you, sh- you should be, yes, yeah, sorry, yes, Australia. Here, you're going to be thinking, okay, whatever we get from these guys, like, if you can make an impact, Gino Huerta or anybody, Antuna, right. anybody else, against Germany, you know, that's more significant. All right, let's talk uh, National Women's Soccer League, shall we? Big, big weekend in the NWSL as the playoffs loom. We'll start with O.L. Reign and the Washington Spirit. Megan Rapino, her last regular season game, her in front of a record crowd of 34,000 plus. How about that? Oh, it's always nice to see the looming field like that. Not an easy game. Look at Trinity. Come on. Good save there. Trinity Robin with the uh, shot. Claudia Dickey, the save. 61st minutes. Megan Rapino getting involved. Going to lead to a chance here, but Aubrey Bledsoe with the save. Yeah, Megan Rapino tries to go on her left, do it herself. Had an overlapping runner, maybe could have slipped it in. Rapino again in the 82nd minute, known for her assist. Could she get one more? 
Not quite. Bledsoe scrambling it away. And you could tell in this game they wanted to get one from Megan. She, she wanted desperately to get an assist, get a goal. 0 0 at that point. 0 0 into stoppage time. Trinity Rodman with the shot. Vicky with the save. And this one finishes scoreless as Megan Rapino puts a bow on her NWSL regular season career. OL Reign, Washington Spirit finishing 0 0. Elsewhere in the National Women's Soccer League, Portland Thorns against Gotham. They packed Providence Park. Hurt just the one goal in this one. It came in the 54th minute. Sam Coffey setting up Ina Sugita. Yeah, Sugita gets in front of her, in front of her defender right there. It cuts the angle, uh, forces the defender either bring her down or leave her alone. Has to leave her alone, and from point blank range, she's not going to miss from there. Sugita on the back post with the header to make it one nothing. And that's how the game finished. One nothing final up in the Pacific Northwest. As a result, the Portland Thorns now top of the NWSL table with one game to go. Houston Dash, Angel City, must win for both teams. 44th minute, the Dash take the lead. Andresa finishing off the play, assist to Nichelle Prince. Andresa looking like she's gonna take it to her right foot, cuts it back on her left in between two players. Goalkeeper may have been screened, never saw it. Smart little goal. Angel City's playoff hopes hanging by a thread until Alyssa Thompson does this. It's just another gear. Look, she sees the open space, good touch right there in front of the defender, and then slots it, crossing the goalkeeper. Savannah McCaskill with the assist, and then in stoppage time, Savannah McCaskill with the game-winning goal for Angel City. I mean, it was McCaskill last season, the goal scorer. McCaskill right now, keeping Angel City in this, and the eventual game winner. Just a huge win for Angel City as they take all three points in a 2-1 to -one victory over the Houston Dash. We take a look at the NWSL table. The top two teams, Portland and San Diego, they've clinched. The bottom two teams, Kansas City and Chicago, they're eliminated. Everybody else still in limbo. The final games of the postseason are this coming Sunday, October 15th. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chivas and Atlas, Clásico Tapatio over the weekend. And Chivas Herc off to a great start in this one after a horrendous week. Yeah, good goal by Beltran, but what about this goal by Aldo Rocha? What a golazo! Just strokes it in on the volley. I mean, I don't care who you are, you're not getting that. Beltran and Rocha, the first half goal scores to the 62nd minute. It's 1-1. Ricardo Marín, 2-1 Chivas. All right, what's the defender doing here, Nerva? What is Camilo Vargas doing here? It's right at him. Oh, Marín with the goal, though. More from Marín. 84th minute. Chivas on the counter. One-on-one. 3-1. -on yeah, it's route one football. Just over the top. Enough pace on him. Controls it. Slots it in with the left. Stoppage time. Chivas going for more. Piojo Alvarado taken down. We're going yeah. to the spot. Piojo Alvarado, I mean, the lone bright spot, if you will, this season for Chivas. He's been tremendous, and he'll handle this himself, Seb. Steps up to the spot and converts with that trusty left foot. Chivas, big time winners over Atlas in the Clásico Tapatio by a final score of 4-1. to one. Speaking of Clásicos, to Mexico City we go. Cruz Azul and Pumas squaring off in the Mexican capital. 24th minute. Pumas charging into the box, and we got a penalty on Chino Huerta. 
That's what he does so well. He's gonna take guys on, gonna force you to make mistakes. He's gonna take you this himself. It's the second go around. Missed the first one, goalkeeper was off his line. Takes the second one, it's in. Pumas up one nothing in stoppage time. Angel Sepulveda pulls one back for Cruz Azul. Yeah, it's his fourth goal in two games. Gets one back right there. What's going on? He'll take it. We showed you this already, but it is so worth a second look. Chino Huerta with the lefty. Yeah, it does so well, Seb. He knows exactly where he wants to go as soon as he cuts it to that left foot and just unleashes that cracker. Pumas up two to one after that. 72nd minute. Well, now I'm looking for more. Ulises Rivas with the left-footed shot. Yeah, goalkeeper just can't see it, doesn't move, lets it go. You want a fourth, so does Pumas in the 80th minute. Nathan gonna get it here and put Cruz Azul three goals down. I mean, just comical defending, letting the ball bounce in the box, an easy finish in the end. So Pumas, big win over Cruz Azul, four to one. Chivas, big win over Atlas. Four to one, Herc. Of these two teams we both consider grandes, who do you think is a better bet to win the Liga MX title? Shots fired. Uh, a better bet? Pumas. Mm -hmm. Not just because they're third place right now overall, but because Pumas under Turco Mohamed has stability. They've got more playmakers. Julio Gonzalez, the goalkeeper, is in a better moment. Uh, Cesar Huerta is one goal behind the league leaders. He looks like a different type of player, right? Uh, you talk about uh, the players that they do have. The Nano, they've got more tried and proven. Jesus Molina, who's, you know, every once in a while thrown into the mix, proves that he's a capable, you know, midfielder. They've just got so much more talent around the field. But quite frankly, Seb, I don't trust Chivas. That's just mm -hmm. what it is here. I don't, I don't trust Chivas. Chivas, yes, I know they beat Atlas, and you can say maybe that victory is circumstantial in the, in, in the way that it happens. And what I mean by that is they were the dominant team, yes. But if you look at the scoreline, I mean, it got out of control late. This could have right. been a 2-1 game, and we don't bat an eyelash. It ended up 4-1, and it, all of a sudden it looks like it's much worse than it was. But it's Chivas, and their calendar doesn't give me the feeling like they'll do some. There's a bunch of trap games for a team that's one win in their last seven games. I'm gonna go through it really quickly, okay? They're gonna play at Puebla, okay? And Puebla, the last two play-in rounds has eliminated Chivas. The last two seasons they face in the playing game, El Repechaje, they've eliminated Chivas. And they are so bad at Puebla. They've only won once in the last eight games at Puebla. This is Chivas, okay? And if we go past that, they're going to play against Tigres, the defending champs, number two overall right now. And then they're going to play against Querétaro. Say what you will about Querétaro, but this is another trap game, okay? Against Querétaro, they've only won once in the last 11 games. After that, Cruz Azul, who's a lot better than their record indicates, or that 4-1 to drumming to the hands of Pumas. That could be another trap game. And then they end with Pumas. These next games for Chivas, for me, mm -hmm. are trap games. I don't trust Chivas. I don't trust Bel Belko Panovic and what he says or does on the field. They're, mm -hmm. Say what you will about Alexis Vega. An inform Alexis Vega could help them. They don't have Alexis Vega. They won't have Calderon. Who knows what type of uh, Victor Guzman we're going to have. I just don't trust him. Yeah. I think Pumas is the better bet. I agree with you there. You're not really giving kind of anything to this Chivas 4-1 win over Atlas, are you? I, there's something to be said here for the response to the chaotic week that they had, right? We had Paunovic linked Almeria, it seems like. They've got a new manager, so at least he's not going to leave for that club in the immediate short-term future. Uh, we had the Alexis Vega scandal at the beginning of the week. Do you think at least this is something that can propel them to a non-catastrophic finish to the season? I don't know. If I look at the, this game, the mistakes made by Atlas lead me to believe that it's more bad Atlas than good Chivas, even though Chivas did a lot of good things okay. in this game. Uh, Rangel, their goalkeeper, ended up coming up hurt. And Watcho Jimenez comes on. They didn't miss a beat. They dominated Atlas. But it's the way that they dominated Atlas that I don't think they're going to have the same spaces afforded to them against other teams. Uh, as far as Pumas is concerned, they've won four or five. They've scored four in each of their last two. And they've done a lot of that 
damage without Juan Dineno really lighting it up. He's only got five goals this season. Uh, you think they're a better bet than Chivas? Do you think they're real contenders when they would face the likes of Rayados, Tigres, Club América, the true elite? No, I think there are only two contenders in Liga Mekis right now. Maybe a third. And those two contenders are Club América, who's on fire. Best mm -hmm. uh, record in Liga Mekis. And I don't think they've lost in the last, like, 13-14. And Tigres, who are defending champions, who just come into a playoff situation and know exactly how to beat you down and win. And the third is a healthy Monterrey. Mm. I thought you were maybe going to go with your beloved TSG. You're going to drop a Toluca or something. I can't. No, you can't say Real, as of huh? yet. I think Monterrey healthy with Berterrame Aguirre. Like healthy Monterrey can do a lot of damage. All right. Well, we've run out of time on this edition of Football Americas. Uh, worth noting, we have a jam-packed show. Her schedule on Thursday. We're going to have Palerin Balogun, an interview with him. We're also going to have an interview with Pellegrino Matarazzo, oh. uh, managing right now in the Bundesliga. He's Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebi Salazar. Thank you for watching. And as always, enjoy Herc's wonderful wardrobe here on the show. Show us what you're wearing, Seb. Corporate Seb. Corporate Seb. Got to hang out with the oldies on ESPN FC. You know how it is. Let me button up my jacket. <laughs>